Hello and welcome to, well, I suppose it's the Salomon podcast, but this is a bit of an experiment. Um, it's an experiment about an experiment. Uh, we're in the midst of troubling times. Um, all the people I'm speaking to are different grades of positive um, because in a sense we all have to be. We have to look for the positives in this difficult situation. But... The conversations are necessarily quite intense and, you know, there's a lot at stake for the people I'm speaking to, as there is for everybody. So I wanted to put something out that was from a different time, a different place, something escapist, something in a different form from what I normally put out, which is the slightly shorter form. Um, what we have here is part one, probably of just two parts, maybe three, um, of something I recorded actually back in 2018. Now, Dave Jowett, who in fact we mentioned in the Jason Hines uh, podcast, Dave Jowett, wonderful cheesemaker, now based in Gloucestershire, uh, originally uh, nearer to uh, Oxford in the Cotswolds, um, in Kingham, he's now just outside Chedworth, uh, makes probably most famously a wonderful cheese called Roll Right. He got in touch with me back in 2018. In fact, I think it might have even been 2017 and said, can you introduce me to a cider maker now? I love cider and I was just, frankly, at that time, kind of dipping my toe into the world and, and I'd been introduced to the great Tom Oliver, um, one of the fantastic producers, really, you know, brilliant, brilliant at what he does, wonderful palate, amazing blender of different flavours to come up with something that's just, you know, wonderful to drink. Um, he'd been kind enough actually to chat to me for the Settlement podcast um, and so I immediately thought of him and thought well let's get David and, 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 uh, and Tom together and see what they can come up with David and I wanted to create a washed cheese but washed in cider my basic theory was along the lines of well if I just get together two brilliant producers surely they'll create something incredible and I'll get to uh, sort of be along for the ride that's a long time ago now and actually, just before, <laughs> just before everything shut down for COVID-19, uh, David delivered uh, his first batch of a cheese that's now known as Insider. It's been through various different names, um, but Insider is the name that we've uh, settled on. It's effectively an even load, um, which is very different from the even load that we discuss in this podcast. That was much more of a kind of kafili style. In fact, at one point, David was even experimenting with a natural rind rather than a washed rind. Now it's almost, I would say, as go as far as say it's something along the lines of a Munster. It's got a much more kind of uh, a silky breakdown under the rind, much more pungency, softer, smaller, um, delicious cheese. And the cheeses that he delivered, the insiders, are really, really beautiful. They have all that wonderful milky quality of the even load, but there is just this kind of slightly astringent, um, tannic, uh, apple skin aroma about them there's definitely of the apple and the, the cider definitely comes through and it's wonderful actually that he's making it that much closer to Herefordshire where Tom is based in fact if you listen out the cider that we get very excited about uh, in in the podcast is a cider called the next big thing it was an amazing pairing but just before that Tom pops out to try and find a Yarlington mill he can't find it he hasn't got a bottle in the house so we move rapidly on to the next big thing and, and get very excited about that. Um, in fact, Yarlington Mill, the single variety uh, cider that, that Tom makes, um, is the cider that we ended up using uh, on a very different cheese. So this is a very different time. It's three people sat around a table sharing food, sharing cider, sharing conversation, uh, and sharing a love for beautiful produce. So I hope that, that this podcast is just a bit of escapism. I highly recommend getting a cracking cheese board, getting a few bottles of cider, sitting down, putting your headphones on or putting it on the on the speakers and just just escaping for knocking on what an hour or so. Um just have it in the background and, and enjoy it. You can even hear the bird song uh just outside of, of Tom's uh, dining room window out in very rural, very beautiful, very warm sunny day in Herefordshire. Enjoy. You had some roll right at the tap, Euston tap. Yes, yes, Sam. Sam used it as a a means of. Well, it was the lubricant <laughs> yeah, yeah. situation, it uh, and it worked very well. Cheers. I um, 
I mean, if I'm honest, I think Roll Right weirdly was the cheese that turned me on to matching cheese with cider. Because the first, really? the very first matching I did with Salomon was quite a, a very short thing with um, used. I wanted to find something that matched brilliantly with two very different cheeses, which was Montgomery's cheddar mm. and Roll Right. So obviously, you know, the differences are obvious. The real, yeah. you know, soft and pungent, aromatic, and then kind of hard and a bit brittle with that sort of deep meaty yeah. flavour. And it was the 2016 bottle condition medium that from, yeah, from you. Yeah, yeah. And it was it worked in really different ways with both cheeses, and it was pretty. Wow. Yeah, pretty stonking, I would say. Oh, look at that pie is superb. So you left everybody uh, with with their jobs. Touch with every. I dropped. I dropped in at um. Cheese on my face. Um, tennis or something. Mm-hmm. Shortly before, shortly before leaving, and everything's fine. Yeah, <laughs> of course it was. I mean, I've left them a few times. Yeah, a few times now. Like last Wednesday, I was down at Bath and West, um, and they're, they're, it's absolutely fine. It just it feels the first time I did it. Well, things went wrong. It's funny, isn't it? It's that, <laughs> yeah, it's that reflection of uh, reflection of you, I suppose, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's that. Yeah, yeah. When I spoke to Andy Swinsco, and then my first question to him was, "Well, who, who have you left in charge?" The courtyard dairy is so a representation yeah. of him as, a, yeah, as absolutely. an individual. Yeah, I almost feel like he's as much a producer as he is in his mentality. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. that's probably why he works so well with producers. Marvelous. What have we got here? Oh, just uh, it's a, it's a, uh, naturally conditioned sweet perry, but I'm just wondering what it's like with the with the roll, right? So we've got, <coughs> maybe you should introduce it, Tom. We've got Oliver's Fine Perry here, Keeve number two. You take us through a little bit what, what, we're, what we're drinking. So it's a, um, what I call a sort of classic mix of Perry pears. Uh, press the juice and keep the juice, which is a way to ultimately try and retain the natural sweetness so that you can put it in a bottle. And it's still quite sweet and it'll carry on fermenting just a little bit to give it just a little bit of light conditioning mm. um, and a combination of that light conditioning that like big sweetness but the nice tannins at the f- and the finish some it can be it can work really well you know with accompanying things and i'm just intrigued to see what is the process of keeping involved it's it's ramping up uh levels of calcium um, and an enzyme um, it's it's a pectic enzyme they both occur naturally in the fruit mm-hmm. but in order to get the situation so that the juice will keeve you need <coughs> to ramp up the levels right and by adding these in you can you can simulate that that situation and then what happens you've got basically positive and negative charges existing in the juice mm-hmm. they have this attracting mechanism and you end up with clumps of nutrient tannin pectin and you know, it can trap a few yeast as well right as the fermentation gently gently starts it lifts these clumps that have started to amass up to the top of the liquid mm-hmm. so that what looks like a Sort of mobile moving landscape in the in the juice itself. If you look through a, um, with a halogen light through an IBC, yeah, you can see it brilliantly. Um, it starts to push everything up. So in the end, you, if you if you if it does it properly, you get a, a crust at the top that's really thin. So a thousand liters can have something that's like I have half it. I'm, I'm, I'm non-decimal, but half an inch thick inch thick maybe mm-hmm. but it looks like it's going to be huge at one stage I mean it can be that thick and then it keep, keeps getting compacted the so compact six sort of compresses yeah as the bubbles the <coughs> secret is you need the bubbles to get the hat and to float the hat as it were mm. but if it starts getting too vigorous it will break through the hat and it'll drop to the bottom or right. break up right so the trick to the whole thing is observation and the timing of when you rack off the clear juice to leave just the hat at the top. And okay. Win some and lose some on that level. 
So is it a similar process as Van Jane? Or not? Oh, no. Really? I don't is know. Is this a raft involved in, in, in Van Jane production? I don't know technically what's going on. No. It's a raft that filters up and down through the, through the, through the, through the barrel. Um, You've, it I, sounded, I've never it sounded familiar. I've there. never heard. So Van Jones. Hmm, um, it's from the French Comte, um, east of France. Uh, Comte country. Yeah. yeah. Mont, Mont country. This is one of the ultimate matching drinks. Actually, it's one of the. It's quite a, arguably quite a tricky mm. taste mm. on its own. Mm. Oh, but okay. actually, and, yeah. and particularly with Comte, you know, is honestly, it's, you can have the best bit of Comte and it will be improved by Van Jones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a real. Yeah. Classic. But on its own, it's quite challenging, challenging isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. a good way, yeah. though. There's yeah. a lot going on, mm. but it's not a quaffing by any stretch of the imagination. I'm really enjoying the Evan load. Have you tried the washed rind mm. even load with the... With the Perry. With the Perry. Mm. How have you got on with that? I think it's very interesting. <laughs> I think it's much... Mm. It's much better than the roll right with the Perry. With I think you need a lot more tannin to deal with the roll right, actually. Personally, yeah. with the with the with the fattiness, yeah. yes. Yeah, that does work really well. Um, mm. So me and Tom were actually talking briefly before you arrived about because I have no idea what what is it that you would be looking for in in terms of you know flavour profile mm. characteristics when you're looking for something to wa wash with. Uh, yeah, and if you can, because my knowledge is scanty. Let's say in, in terms of cheese making, just just outline to me what what you ha you talked a bit earlier about it, but mm. what, what, what <coughs> washing and, and, and what it does, and and, and so mm. yeah, mm. so I get a so we'll wait about we'll make the cheese, salt mm -hmm. it, put it in the ripening room, um, and wait about six or seven days um, for a yeast development to start on the surface. Um, and if we're going to be making a washed rind cheese, that initial yeasting stage is incredibly important. Um, as the yeast, things like geotrichum, um, debromyces, clubomyces, they will catabolize the lactic acid on the surface of the cheese. So we're putting cheese, freshly made cheese, um, say pH 4.8 for the even load, something right. like that. Mm -hmm. And the bacteria on the surface to create the orange sticky rind won't grow uh, won't grow at that pH they need it to okay. be pretty much neutral okay um, so we need the yeasts to get rid of that 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 surface lactic acid and create a neutral environment um, and then it's simply a case of brushing wiping rubbing um, the surface with salt water that's what we've been doing um, cider um, every for roll right we do it every second day every other day and even though I've been following that same that same pattern, roll right will get sort of six washes, maybe seven washes. Um, the even load here, that's had I think it's five, I think it's five washes, and then sort of just rubbed down once once the washings happen and the the, sort of the surface microbes are looking healthy, they're smelling right. And then it's just turning them over, rubbing off any any moulds that are trying to grow, um, and you know, turning them every every week or or so. Uh, how long um, will they, will they will, you, will you keep them then? For, um, to, oh, I'd say that develop. was just about ready to sell. Okay. Mm. Right. Okay. I'd say that was that could be on a counter now. Yeah. Would you look for a bit more? Excuse me. Mm. No, no, would you look for a bit more kind of breaking down because we've got that kind of classic sort of outside in yeah. maturation yeah. where it's starting yeah. to go glossy under the rind, mm. but you've still got that lovely kind of not quite chalky but verging on. Uh, in the middle, I guess that you associate classically with a kafili or something like that, right? But, um, well, I mean, would you let it go further than that? I think it would. It would. I don't. I think the cheese is a little too tall um, okay. for it to go right for it to break down right mm -hmm. to the centre okay. before um, the rind started to lose quality. Um, maybe the cheese would dry out a little too. Mm. But since these, so we've made about you know, a dozen, maybe more batches, maybe fifteen. Um, and I have been making the cheeses a little less tall, right? Um, to try because I do love that sort of breakdown mm. there. I want I want some of that lactic core to remain. Mm. And it's really nice contrast. It's lovely when you, yeah. bright, clean, 
sort of zippy flavours. Mm. And then the more so, so that's buttery. Creating that coring and yeah, so some of the, okay. the as as the cheese has kind of been made um, and been been drained and pressed, um, calcium has leached out of the curd with the whey, um, and we've got a demineralized demineralized curd. There. Right, right. Um, so something like the roll right, a fresh roll right's got a very very high pH, quite it's not low acid. Um, so we don't lose any of the calcium. So this is more rubbery, elastic okay. textured when it's young. It's never curdy like a camembert okay. would start out. Um, okay. I like I, I, I like the contrast between the two. Mm. Um, well, you've got that lovely sensation when you bite, particularly with the washed. Mm. Well, I have to say, I really think the naturally rind one is also delicious. <laughs> so, so I suppose I might just go back slowly for the sake of these microphones we've got on the table, um, <laughs> rather because we are we are just having a lovely chat around a, a really excellent looking lunch. But there are microphones in a recording of it, so uh, I should probably explain what's going on. Um, so we were going to sit down and chat. What maybe even before. For Christmas, I think it was, um, and then a few, was, and then yeah. a few things changed. In mm. David, you were mm. pretty much adding <coughs> to the to the dairy, which fair enough, and I'm I'm glad you've made it away this <laughs> afternoon. Um, because I tried your roll right with your cider, I thought it'd be brilliant to actually pair the people mm. together. Mm. Anyway, that that sort of went on the back burner for a while, and then and David, you got in touch with me and said, you know, could you put me in touch with a cider maker? And obviously, Tom, you know top of the list for me uh, and you said yes and here we are so it sort of sounds fairly straightforward I guess the next bit of the project is where mm. it gets a bit more uh, well complicated or I guess interesting really because we're actually going to start making something yeah. mm. um, but yeah so back to the question I wonder <coughs> whether you had what was what was going through your head in terms of what you were looking for you know mm. Mm. so Back at the beginning of the year, um, there was a big change on the farm. So we swapped out a herd of 100 cows, for of which I was buying about 15% of the milk, um, for a herd of 30 low-yielding cows. 30, th 30 cows which were already in those, that, that, that herd of 100, but the 30 sort of best cheese cows, if you like. Um, with Now I've got a commitment to buy all of the milk produced on the farm. Mm. So even load essentially exists to you to enable me to use up all of all of the milk produced on the farm. Otherwise, if I just went ahead and put it all into roll rights, we need to move roll right in about four weeks. We can't we can't sit okay. on it. Okay. Um, during the summer, we'd absolutely flood ourselves with cheese. Um, so there's a seasonality to this as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 I mean, we probably would produce it for most of the year and just shut down <coughs> even load production for. You know, late October, November, while we made Christmas roll rights, um, but it's it kind of creates a uh, it's like it's a mechanism to control how much milk we're putting into the most volatile cheese we could be making. Right, really. right. <laughs> um, so figured what could what could I make with the equipment that we've already got with the cheese molds we've already got um, with the ripening facilities and that for a tom on format cheese seemed to make sense um, and there was one specific one that you mentioned to me which from Tom Schmidthauser from right. Schmidthauser yeah, yeah. Um, who actually make a cheese that is I guess to look at not dissimilar to, to roll right in the um, uh, the Moya the Moya de Rivar yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I guess similar in style very different mm, I guess mm. in flavour profile mm. but, but similar in style right um, yeah and, uh, yeah, terrific cheese as well, but they're they're quite a big operation. I think they're pretty big, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if they're sat there, their stand at the uh, Salon de Fromage in Paris is anything to go by, it's like being at a car show. Really, it's this huge kind of you know beautifully <laughs> made uh, corporate looking stand. But fortunately, their cheeses are amazing, so they can do what they like. Um, yeah. So so essentially, it it, it started life as a web balancing your. Yeah. Your milk, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, <clears throat> when the farm told me that they were going to sell most of the cows, um, I sort of had a, a sort of a, you know a decision: do I commit to buying milk every single day? That's going to be more milk than I need for a roll, right? Mm -hmm. So, do we sort of face this challenge, make, make a new cheese, or 
do I say, actually, can you sell them all? And I'll buy milk in as when I need it. Because mm. that would be an easy option. Mm. <laughs> but something about having one herd of 30 cows specifically for cheese making yeah. sounds... That's the ideal for a cheesemaker, mm. right? Um, I don't know. So what's, what's your relationship with the farm? Is so you... my business is on the farm. Right. Um, I buy milk from that one herd. Um, I'm operating in a building that the farm owns. Um, I'm basically a tenant, and then my right. dairy is within that building. Right. Is it a sympathetic uh, relationship? You, you know... You... It's it's a relationship over the last few months has got a lot lot closer. Okay. Um, okay. When I was buying a fraction, fifteen percent of the milk they produced, there was only so much I could say. Even though I was paying more than the tanker, there was only so much I could say that would actually be be met. Otherwise, it just economically, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. I said if I said to the farm I want hay fed milk, and he's producing milk, eighty five percent of which is going to you know, the, t- the big tank and the big yeah. boys, yeah. he can't do that. No. Um, now I'm buying all the milk. Can. We can have those conversations meaningfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, if they're big changes, that will be reflected in how much I pay for the milk. Um, but, you know, we've even, even in the last month, I think we've been buying milk every day for a month now. Um, just, un- just under a month. Our first, my first few bulk raw milk tests the milk microbiology has drastically changed. It's right. impeccable now. We always had good milk, but now we've got really excellent milk on a micro, on a microbiological yeah. scale, yeah. level. Um, so, you know, there's only a couple of tests. You can't really make a big decision to make a raw milk cheese based on two or three tests. Right. But it's already it's super And that's the ambition, because you can control it from, from the, the ground so. up, yeah. literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe not for roll right, um, but for even load, I think that could absolutely yep. be a roll right cheese. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because actually that was something that, because speaking to Johnny up at Fen Farm the mm. other week, he was saying something, you know, basically the great privilege that they have is controlling the, tra- the you know, the chain. Mm. So, mm. you know, from the soil to the pasture to the cow to the type of cow to the, yeah. you know, all the way out the chain. So they, you know, I think he, he sort of, uh, in a way has a lot of sympathy for people who are buying the milk in because it's a much mm. harder because mm. you can't control it so what no you know but actually no. i guess like cider making it all starts really in the orchard with, with the fruit yeah, yeah. With mm. the fruit. <clears throat> and we've been in the same sort of ballpark in terms of you know the <clears throat> those are the ultimate as i would see it for fruit old trees grazed nothing done to them Mm-hmm. Um, as much because they're so big, or um, you know, you know, there's no point in trying to do anything against you know the young, intensively produced fruit from these in bush orchards or even trellis orchards. Mm-hmm. Of course, it depends on who the consumer is. There's a lot of mm-hmm. people wouldn't give you the time of day for the difference in the ciders they make in the cider, mm-hmm. but there there is for me a real substantial difference. But you have two responsibilities. Uh, one, you've got to be able to make cider that shows off the difference, and then you've got to be mm. able to find people mm. who be, who who've got the ability to appreciate the difference. Mm. And that's not everybody by by a long chalk. So, um, it's in, there's there's definitely some similarities there. I think the more you mm. you have exactly what you want for the job, the better it is. Mm. Right. Mm. Okay. I guess I've sort of got, you know, I'm not the milk producer, I am the milk buyer, mm. but it's a pretty close, I'm kind of as close as you can get without having my own cows. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Cheese making is hard enough as it is yeah, without having to milk cows as well. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't you know, want to go down exactly. That. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to want to. I used to want to um, grow my own fruit, mm. but in actual fact, that never really got going in the way I wanted it to. I only ever planted a small amount, and now I'm really pleased that I didn't, mm-hmm. because if I had, I wouldn't be able to do. I couldn't. I couldn't make, sell, mm. and grow as I need to. So I've got to get other people 
growing it for me. Because how much of your time is spent, I guess, on the road? I feel like you're up in London, despite the fact Felix is doing a lot of your distribution now. You seem to be up in London pretty much once a week. Yeah, I do. I do. I will. I do believe in getting wherever I can to to, to push it along. Because it's the only thing I've got. Well, if if, if I consider myself an asset Mm. on a good day, I do. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can get out and talk about it, and yeah. you know, and, mm. and, and advocate for it. And it's 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 from it's from my touring approach. You know, I've been touring for years with bands, but the whole thing of getting out on the road and and, and, and doing a show every night. So I'm really I'm really comfortable with this idea of just getting out there mm. Mm. and 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 seeing where it goes. So nobody else has no one else has done it like I've been doing it. Um, and I'm sort of surprised, really. You know. Do you find yourself in a position of feeling like you're an advocate, not just for Oliver Simon Berry, yeah, but yeah, for the Fine Cider? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, you know that in itself is a valuable yeah. mm-hmm. thing I to be doing. You know? Ryan did that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I. Yeah, because it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a bit of a rising tide situation, mm. and and you know we we're so. Was you know was so uh, challenged you know as as a as a little category of drinks producers that you know you've got to get out and and we need more people <coughs> doing a great job mm. and and maybe if if that you know if this all leads to more people getting turned on to make a cider yeah so much the better you know um, I mean it's interesting I think cheese has got a much more sort of established. Uh, role and, and sort of advocacy system, if you like. I mean, originally mm-hmm. with the you know mm-hmm. Neil's yard mm-hmm. and you know that sort of thing. Right, right. But I still think I do think there's still room for. We were talking earlier a little bit about the kind of democratization of mm-hmm. you know the good the good things really that the, the things yeah, that yeah. we produce in this country you know made by the likes of you guys know what you're doing, passionate, and then what actually ends up on the table is absolutely delicious. I mean, you know. Yeah. This is sort of this impression <laughs> that we've walked into this room, and you know, I'll just put some cheese on the table and a perry, and you go, yeah, but this is the best cheese in Britain. This is the best perry in Britain. You know, it's a ri- and, and so we're having you know fit for a king feast. So why, you know, why is what I understand there's a cost issue to a degree, but we're not talking about you know a bottle of champagne which has a price that's just sort of seems a bit arbitrary, really. You know, there's. This is obviously an old bloke talking now, but it's it's um, you know, eat eat better, but eat less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and <clears throat> therefore the cost implications are not as as, as people would imagine. Mm. You don't need mm. to eat the volume. Mm. You get more pleasure. Yeah. And if you do it in a an atmosphere, oh sorry, an environment rather than atmosphere. Uh, that I don't do enough of, you know, it's it is this sat around the table talking and eating mm. is the best way mm. for mm. digestion, appreciation, and enjoyment. So, you know, the whole way we've gone as a society with our tablets and our telephones and our televisions and eating alone is by far and away the worst way you can eat, mm. but certainly the worst way to appreciate great food and drink. Mm. So it doesn't surprise me that we're eating shit and drinking yeah. rubbish yeah. because mm. well Coronation mm. Street mm. on what's the point need some fuel yeah. <laughs> yeah there's nothing else going on mm. so so I do think um, we 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 um, we've got a more important in, in, a, in, a, in a in a bigger in a bigger sense I think we've got a more important job to do is make great food and drink and, and create a situation where people do want to buy it and eat it but if that leads to people going back around the table and having uh, civilized I don't mean that as in not stabbing each other but as in communicating and talking and Mm. that's our responsibility because one of the reasons that we we could actually be the trigger that actually takes everyone back to a healthier mentally physically uh, situation is that it's the quality food and drink driving people mm. back to the table mm. and eating in a civilized way. I mean, you know, you could you, we could try and sell our food and drink on that basis because it really is, you know, forget drink uh, drink aware who I wouldn't give you a tuppence for. Um, 
um, and all these like oh danger this and, mm. and, and, and mm. it's, you know no see it in the wider picture because people won't ever do something if you tell them it's too, you shouldn't drink this because it's too strong I mean that's like saying drink it because it's right. strong yeah right. <laughs> but if you know the whole thing you, you know you'd feel better you'd eat better you'd you'd just get a have a better quality of life by eating our food and drink around the table I think that's a fantastic message to put across I think there is an increased engagement with what we're eating and actually you know I, I think I guess particularly in, in you know cheese making and, and there's a mistrust of veganism and and I can actually I can appreciate where people are coming from on that because it can you know there can be a level of a bit, yeah, a bit, a bit puritanical it can be a bit preachy however at the core of what it is it is people fundamentally engaging with what they're eating mm. now be that environmental issues be it mm. ethical be it whatever they are engaging with what's on their plate they're not just shoveling it into themselves and I think that in a funny sort of way is a reflection of a wider trend and when I say trend I don't mean flashing the pan I mean movement mm. towards everybody having more appreciation of what they eat so if you are going to eat meat you're not going to eat it every day and when you do eat it it's going to be a really beautiful yeah. you know bit of lamb or whatever from, mm. from your butchers mm. rather mm. than mm. something that's flown the whole way across the world and packaged in plastic yeah. and blah 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 yeah. so I think all of these kind of uh, food trends if you like just just is just reflective of yeah we're, we're all getting on board with hopefully moving towards this. the way we're eating now mm. Mm. which is I'm really enjoying that <laughs> so, um, yeah, so more but, yeah, yeah do um, do you want some bread do, I'm, I'm doing good thanks I, I will have some more cheese though yes please what do you like Tom well, I think to keep it the democracy of the situation correct, I'd like a, a little bit of each again, please. Mm. <laughs> it's very magnanimous of you. So, I'm going to try uh, some of this. So I was at Paxton's yesterday, and they gave me a little sample of something called Cornish Nanny, which is Cornish Blue but goat's milk. Um, and I've been warned it's a bit pokey. But I'd be quite interested to see what it's like. So this is this is Cornish blue. Bill's so made, um, yeah, it's Cornish blue but with goat's milk. Mm. It's called Cornish Nanny, and I think it's pokey because it's been in the Patsons like staff it's, um, staff room. Right. Oh, it's um, definitely. Um, but it's not. I, I've got a bit more bite to it, say, than Cornish blue. So Cornish blue is actually one of my favourite blue cheeses. It's very malty and almost like um, mm. almost like a McVitie's digestive biscuit in its flavour. Um, and it has kind of some of that actually. It's got a certain maltiness to it. It is it is quite punchy, but it hasn't got any of that back of the throat ammonic thing yet. I'm not picking any up anyway. It's got a nice sweetness. Mm -hmm. Which I would say, yeah. So we've got a bit of a thumbs up yeah. there from David. What do you reckon, Tom? Well, the, uh, the aromatically, it's very interesting. It's it's as near to the inside of my Wellington as the end of lambing <laughs> as I can as I can get. It's got um, some of that sort of lamellin. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tastes good. Yeah. What's it called? Cornish nanny. Cornish nanny. Yeah. Mm. And then we've got the sheep rustler, which is apparently it's what it is, isn't it? The champion, supreme champion mm. at the British Cheese Awards. Have you tried this before? No. Mm. It's very good. Pete makes good cheese. For some reason, I thought it was a much bigger cheese than that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah. Well, as you can see from mm. the little segment I've got mm. there, um, I thought they were like this. So Pete Humphreys makes what, uh, like I guess Rachel's an extremely well-known, lovely yeah. kind of washed dry and goat's cheese, but kind of springy in texture. Actually, quite similar in texture quite. to this. Yeah. Is this a bit more elastic? Yeah, maybe. I mean, certainly. Yeah, maybe it is actually a little bit. I've not had Rachel in quite a while. You get some of this stuff. Do you tend to blend apples rather than make single variety? Yeah. So I think ultimately it's a more satisfactory outcome. Mm. But we do mm. do some singles mm -hmm. simply because people like them and right and they sell. Right. So it, it um, and there's a, a reference point. It, it, people mm. quite enjoy it, mm. um, but you know, 
they're they're quite often more idiosyncratic than correct. Nothing wrong with idiosyncratic, but um, the, the temptation is always to try and make something that's that's good, you know, correct. Um, so where are you blending? Because we're going to have a we'll head back to the farm in a bit and have a David have a look. But but where are you blending, and how do you how do you because I guess you're just sat at a table when you're blending, but do you, how do you then scale it up? Is it just a well, portions so the, or? Well, there's two, the, there's, there's two <coughs> opportunities really. Uh, one is you, you blend when the fruit comes in at harvest time. So and you mill yeah, a portion at of time, portion yeah. Of and that's the, op that's your first opportunity. And, uh, and you know, that's done on um, <coughs> what you've got coming in. Mm -hmm. So you can't always achieve an optimum situation, but you can yeah. move towards it. Yeah. So we always try and get something that's got a decent level of acidity at pressing. Now, whether mm -hmm. that's from pressing sharp apples with the other apples, or whether we already take some sharp or some potentially sharp or about to start fermenting or half fermented or fully fermented sharp cider, mm -hmm. and then put that in with the uh, juice as we press it we quite often do that to just right. achieve just get an acid tannin sugar yeah. balance yeah so that when it ferments out we want a cider that's got good keeping qualities so decent acidity good level of tannins um, and no sugars because they've fully fermented out that's that's what we want to work with in the spring so we can get someone near there with the fruit or mm -hmm. juice that we've already mm -hmm. got and then it's the fine-tuning with everything in the spring to just so, make things. So you wouldn't, <coughs> you wouldn't blend once the cider is fully fermented, and sort of at bottling point it would be before, way before that. Well, we uh, to to we uh, I'll probably argue against this to a degree. I think we probably do. Um, no, we do we do blend just before bottling, but we try and give it enough time to ascertain that it's. A, you know an appropriate thing right. sit. but uh, other times that we, we I used to do a lot of what I call bottle blending so I'd literally blend it bottle it mm. and let it do its coming together in the bottle that's that's just you know that's just something we quite like doing because mm. it, it does have some nice like results to it uh, so uh, yeah so th th and that's beyond the, what we'd expect if we were conditioning it as well are you trying to look for a sparkle so there's, okay. there's, the, there's the sort of coming together and then there's the conditioning, which are two separate things. And yeah. there's, and as it comes together and conditions, then it will mature as well. And, and hopefully all, all, all of those things that you want out of it will come together in a short space of time or a long space and, and not fuss time on your taste. So bottling time is kind of now. Yeah. Right. <coughs> right. So we've done a lot of the young stuff. We're now moving through and doing... Um, the last of the keeved uh -huh. because actually none of the full blooded cider is finished yet everything's the, the, sort of the, the cold late cold spells mm. and mm. then mm. and then you know the, the warmth is really only I mean it, it did get going up a few weeks ago but it's only really now starting yeah. to be right. warm in the day reasonably warm at night mm. Um, mm. so things have really moved on like, like everything's grown like Merry hell last week. Uh, so, um, so everything's moved along. Um, in terms That's of where maturing. my beans have grown a foot in the last five days. Isn't it? Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, it's just like whoosh. Yeah. I think you literally, if, if you were patient enough, I think you could literally see things growing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's absolutely <laughs> extraordinary. Um, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, so that, 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 there's plenty of blending opportunities. Mm. Um, uh, you just sort of develop a pattern that suits you or your, the way you work, you know. So we yeah. tend to work on uh, do, do the best we can at pressing time, and then we just leave everything because January, February, March is lambing time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not mm -hmm. doing anything else yeah. then. Yeah. And then after that, we come back and start looking at everything. And you get, get you know you get going again because you know that you've got the um, sort of peak time from May through to. September of sales. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so to some degree, the cider 
the pattern of the cider make works around what else is happening yeah, on the farm. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. as yeah. I think, certainly cheese making. Traditional British cheeses happen yeah. the same, exactly the same way. Yeah. You know, the slow territorial makes like Lancashire and Stilton. You know, they, 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 they take a full day to make yeah, and yeah. there's plenty of opportunity to go and you know do that job the other job right around the farm it's yeah. very interesting yeah. and I think that's the way um, I mean that, that's really I think why we're here you know in the mm. sense of you know the, this whole mixed farming thing and everything has its moment and you have a priority so you know, you know frequently there's things that need doing but actually there's other things that need doing more yeah, so yeah. Should, should go, should go and do, <laughs> should go and do. All right, I'm just gonna go and find another cider with a little bit of sweet in there. Yeah. Uh, so what have you got there? So I'm, I'm, unfortunately, oh, yeah. I failed because what I wanted was a, a medium dry Yarmington mill, but I don't seem to be able to. I don't think I bought one. <clears throat> I keep looking at these, trying to imagine that one of them is a Yarmington, but I'm not. I'm absolutely convinced. We've got a few other producers up here as well. I have. This is my. This is your. Needless to say, my. Say my favourite, but there's some historic things there. So sorry, we jumped to sweet, <coughs> um, which. Which was. I like the name. Next big thing. Next big thing. That was my Czech chap Yarrick's suggestion last year. Um, Did I meet Yarrick this morning? Uh, he's a chap who sat at the table in the uh, eating. Yeah, with the long, yeah, 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 yeah. Into his metal. Yeah, well, yes. Sort of. I, I can't tell, really. He's a, a mixture of genre that he... Well, it was Phil Collins when I first arrived, and then it went into <laughs> something else altogether. Perhaps that was for your benefit. Maybe somebody coming. Yeah, I'm always a bit of Phil Collins. <laughs> so this has got sweetness, Bill. Italian still, but also now sweetness as well. Ooh. And I'm wondering if that. Uh, so for me, that's mm. up there in terms of the characteristics I'd look for to match to a lot of cheeses, actually, because it's got that, it's got the sweetness to go with the salt, and it's yeah. got that tannin to kind of cut through any fattiness that's going on. That's gorgeous. It is. It's a real cracking. I mean, I think I'm going to try it with the, with the washed, mm. washed. <clears throat> That's very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, interesting. Okay. Elegantly done. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm accumulating cheese by the, yeah, the bucket load now, which is lovely. I think your, uh, your Tupperware will be significantly healthier when we head off today oh. than it was when we You get all all those tannins just sort of dissolve into the creaminess, and it's just loads of lovely. I mean, the milk really it's, comes it's through on that. Thing. It's it, it, mm. it's some cheese to do what it's doing. <laughs> um, I just think it takes it takes them both somewhere a little. Mm. Mm. Just be using the cider, or would you be putting the cider in with putting it in the brine? In the brine. Um, I think there'd be a bit of bit of guesswork, followed by a bit of R and D for how much <laughs> how much cider to put in the brine, and right. also at what point do we start washing with a cider laced brine from the first wash, or do we do it laterally? Um, right. My guess is if we're doing say five five or six washes um to use the cider laterally so we don't upset the yeasts when they're still quite new so we've got things growing the grind is the surface of the cheese is at a stage where the bacteria the coroniform bacteria the rind bacteria can grow 
Um, which may be a, a one or two washes in. Okay. By the time the pH is is is, okay. is high enough. So, so laterally rather than for all of the washes. So Sino with its <coughs> slightly aggressive um, uh, sort of the malic acid ability mm. um, and uh, you know a pH somewhere I don't know three point four three point eight somewhere mm -hmm. depending on mm -hmm. um, what what do you have do you, what do you envisage uh, it it doing or, or or attracting or creating on the thing do you have an idea or feel or uh, not really well okay good <laughs> so. I mean, this the 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 even load started off. I went, I approached it as we'll make a Tom style cheese, and then they turned out to be a little bit more like a kafili, and now I'm washing them. So it's not right. a very kind of right. focused right. project. Okay. Um, <laughs> it needs oh. a bit of focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that, that, no, that's good. Um, but no, I don't know what it will bring to it. it, it it may be that it makes absolutely no difference at all yeah. to, the, yeah. to, to washing in water, yeah. in, in salt mm. water. Um, it may bring more kind of funkiness, it mm. may bring sweeter aromas, sweet, fruity. Mm. Um, it may take it in another direction um, and bring a you know, more savoury, beefy right. um, animal okay. kind of quality to it. So, that, that, so do you think that... <coughs> um, what type of cider, as in, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it matters toughness whether it's sparkling or still, particularly, mm. but, mm. so so it will be a still cider, I'm guessing, but dry, medium, or sweet, do, do, do you think, because I don't think, <coughs> tasting cider with cheese mm. is no, mm. it, I, I'm assuming it's not really a reference point at all for what rind washing. Not really, I mean, there will, I think there probably will be an element of the um, general structure of the flavour of the cider in the finished cheese. Right. But that won't be a big player. Okay. I think if it was a super sweet cider, yes, you taste super sweet in the end cheese. If it was a bone dry cider, you'd probably still get some tannin flavours in the end cheese. But I don't think... I don't think it would be... Okay. I, I, I mean, I guess, I, I'm guessing we wanted something medium to dry. I don't want it to be. Yeah. I don't want it to bring sort of sweet, sticky kind of flavours mm -hmm. to the cheese. Right. Really. Okay. Um, right. Is there any difference in? I mean, how viable are the yeasts at this point? Well, you could have viable. <coughs> you could have. Uh, you could have potentially yeast viable cider. Okay. Or you could have pasteurised cider. Yeah. Um, which would still have a very complex and heavy microbiology within the cider. Mm, sure, sure, sure. But it would have been knocked on the head. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm interested, I, I, you know, once again, I wonder, and it, it would be fascinating what the difference was. Because there's no doubt that uh, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a cider, <coughs> even if it's pasteurized, it's mm. still got bags of sweetness, if, if it had sweetness. And uh, you know the bacteria and the yeast don't give a monkey's. It's been pasteurized. They're vumping on it, and yeah. so they can gorge as good as yeah. on that as they can on the live one. So, um, and and how much in terms of volume do you think you would need to? Good question. Um, probably not an awful lot. I mean, it would be so when we rind wash, we wash a batch of cheese. Mm. We'd use about a litre, litre and a half of water, and I'd probably do 10% cider in water. Um, we'd be making the cheese, on average, probably three to four times, three times a week for most, well, maybe four times a week through the high summer, but probably an average of three times a week, giving each batch five washes. I tried to work this out while driving down the I was going with you for so far, and then I'm... If you're so, doing five washes, it's it of being three of them. Three of them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that would be. I reckon. I reckon. I reckon ten percent's a bit light myself. It's a bit light. On the side, different. Yeah. 
trying to sell me on the side. I think, so 10% I think they'd use for a Marc de Burgoyne oh, really? with sure. Lipoise, but that's what, 40%? And I think they're being quite careful not to, okay. you know, wallop the, mm. the yeasts and kill everything with meat, Mark. But you could take it up okay, to 20%. So well, I mean, I so I think what potentially is interesting in, in, in this is that I think that you should be selecting the cider based on how well it matches mm. personally mm. Mm. so whether that is a bone dry or it is a sweet or it is a I, I think that's for me that would be the place to start yeah sort of naturally mm-hmm. and I suppose I suppose you have to kind of engage with how how much you need the cider to be part of the flavour experience. You mm. know what I mean? Like, mm. I, yeah, I agree. Mm. I think 10%, mm. it just becomes a kind of a, a, a tool, if you like. The cider is a tool to yep. do something to the cheese. Yep. Whereas actually, <laughs> if you want to give someone a, a, you know, I'm not talking about a flavoured cheese. Mm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're not shoving cranberries in it. But, uh, <laughs> although, what, um, <laughs> what, what's wrong with wrapping nothing. it in plastic and sending a three for a tenner? No. Oh, well, sorry. Um, I have, an, I have oh, another oh, potential oh, proposal okay. uh, that I'll talk to you about as well, but um, that's a, a different conversation. Um, so I think it would be a shame to lose <clears throat> the specific yeah. characteristics yeah. of the side. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd uh, to a slightly higher percentage slightly myself, higher. but I mean, it, a lot of it will be down to you when you actually do it. I mean, and what, we, what, what we could absolutely do um, is so we, you know we've got towers of cheese on stainless steel racks with sort of six cheeses per mm. rack. We could take a you know a rack or two racks yeah. and give them a ten percent cider wash. The next two racks a twenty percent cider, and actually have one batch of cheese yeah. and wash. Wash cheeses with different percentages of cider in it, uh, to me, or with different can, ciders. Mm. Mm. You can do all those things. You know, you have your control. You have a ten, yeah. twenty-two, mm-hmm. and you know, start by you know, well, dry ciders. We need a little less, or you know, yeah. actually, we need a little less of the sweet ones and a bit more of the dry. Be, yeah. I'd be fascinated to yeah. know. I think that'd know. be a really great way to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, arguably, yeah. you know, if this if this has become something more than a, I guess a, a, a sort of specific specialty product. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it might be that it comes to the point where you're actually coming down here to blend a cider specifically to wash with because you know what the characteristics are you're looking for. Oh, and it'd be pretty cool. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. That would be, yeah. be, be very, very interesting because, mm. it, it, yeah, I, 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 I would be fascinated by it. But, and I would also be fascinated by it, whether there was any correlation at all between, you see, I don't think the, the flora and fauna and the microbiology is going to like the same cider as as the human will with the mm. cheese. So mm. I'm I'm fascinated mm. by if it did, that would be f- fabulous in in mm. a way. But also I can quite see that you know there'd be you know it could be an extreme you know so the a dry cider is the perfect thing to wash it with, and the sweet cider is the perfect cider to drink with it. Right, could, yeah. could be the situation yeah. or the, yeah. the reverse or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so well, and the mechanics of the cider as well. I mean, the mechanics of washing, uh, you know, you might, but if we're talking about blending a cider specifically for purpose, mm. if the purpose is to wash with and, and to, to flavour well after that process, it might not be a cider that you want to drink at all. It might have, you, do you know what I mean? It might have flaws in it. It might have things that... I know a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you never know. They might There might be something about yeah. those ciders yeah. that actually, yeah. once they go through the mechanics of that... Yeah. I got a lot of those. Well, wow. <laughs> yeah. there you go. Problem solved. Tom, have you ever profiled the 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 micro of your of your cider, uh, sort of yeasts? And... I so the nearest I've got, David, and this is a terrible, terrible thing to say, is upstairs. I do have a wonderful microscope, um, which I bought with the ability to take pictures with it, and I haven't opened it yet. How long have you had it, Tom? Now. <laughs> <laughs> Not as long as I've had some other bits of equipment that I've yet to open. <laughs> but I got it about six months ago with the thing that I over, where we were picking the, uh, through the fermentation thing, I was going to look at uh, a barrel every week. Right? Mm. Of course, I never did. And I'm determined to open it up and use it. So the answer is the people who <coughs> give me the most feedback on my microbiology are brewers mm. who I send right. stuff to. 
for, for using in fermentations for them. Right. And they come back to me going, you should look at this picture. And they send me these pictures of, of, the, of, the, of not just the yeast, but also the whole microbiology thing. And, and they are super, super, as they would say, excited because they've never seen such horrifically um, <laughs> mixed uh, um, cultures of God knows what's in there, Tom. But um, <laughs> I suppose it's, I say it's cider. But, um, so, yeah, so no, I haven't, and I should. Uh, and it's actually, it's the thing that enthralls me most because I've been doing presentations on wild fermentation. <laughs> I can't even tell people what's in the pictures I'm using. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> This was pretty wild. Yes, uh, this is wild. Not onto your hats. This is fermented. This is, yeah. Now, so I am interested, and, uh, <clears> and I do want to move along my skills. My <clears> science <throat> is appalling, basically, uh, David. That's the thing that's been a, a trademark thing since I was a kid. I was, I'm used, I'm <laughs> petrified with science. Um, I, 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 I just can't use science. I can't use pipettes. Bunsen burners are a thing of danger. To me. Um, <laughs> So I've, I've had to find other ways to get get results in a way. But um, so uh, the thing I'm, we can obviously do whatever is required. Um, and um, I think it's obviously it's, it's entirely in your hands in terms of what you have in the capacity and capability to do. Uh, in terms of you know, what you want to use and how you want to use it, but you know we'll, we'll, we'll happily you know my thought is really give you what you want uh, for this initial project. We should we should give you what you want, and you can see how it works and report back to us. And then if we take it, if if there's any way to take or want to take it any further, then we then we can you know talk about selling you some cider awesome. maybe. But let's let's do it all on a. I think the most exciting and kind of, uh, thank you Tom, um, like dynamic way to do it would be to take say three, three different bottles, say I don't know, medium dry, sweet, maybe yep. a bit more sort of refined than, than that, whatever, um, and to wash some cheese in one of the same batch, mm -hmm. some cheese in the other, and some cheese in the other, and some cheese in brine, mm -hmm. and yep. as, as, as the control, what would this cheese be doing mm -hmm. otherwise? Um, well, I, and, and I think you know, I think, and I think, let's make them, you know, substantially different ciders, so that there is a marked difference, rather than being three that are just slightly one yeah. drier and one slightly sweeter. No, let's make one a big bold dry tannic cider, one big yeah. rich sweet cider with tannins, and then I think a nice Yarnton Mill in the middle with a softer tannic pro profile too, and you've got three contrasting ciders, so that if there isn't. If there isn't a difference in, in the cheese case, then great. But there's no difference. It doesn't really matter. Or if there is, then we might be able to latch on to yeah. one particular yeah. aspect. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that would be really yeah. fascinating. You know, a Tom Oliver cider blended. Yeah. For, you know, mm. I just think that's ram well, ramp it up. It would be, a, it, f f I think, a great, it would be really fun because it's, it's a whole different thing you know and, and 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 we're not in a way initially as i say this thing that fascinates me is we're not trying to please our our palates we're trying to please your your uh, your cheese your cheese, cheese, cheese your rice. cheese your yeah. cheese yeah. Rice. Yeah. Yeah. you know um and if um, um okay so yeah well that that's sort of that's that that's good because that, uh, that sort of answers um Thing. I, I think if you, if you if you are you know prepared to go to you know uh, do, do do these different washes, it's yeah. fascinating to. All we need to, to do is put the, you know put the right labels on the right racks and keep the right notes. Yeah, it should be fairly. Only it's you know it's no. a bit of a bit more of a faff, but it would be you know it should be fairly straightforward straightforward to do. Okay. Three different bowls and yeah yeah. Pop the pop the right labels on the right. Well, it could it could be could be very interesting. Do they do all of your ciders contain sulfites? Uh, no. That might be something to consider for my labelling. Yeah. So I need to declare sulfites. So we've got ciders without sulfur. Um, a lot of it, a lot of them do have sulfites in. We don't use sulfur prior to fermentation, mm. uh, but we <coughs> do in a lot of the packaging, except for the naturally bottle conditioned ones. 
Um, they they've got they're totally free of sulphur. Um, it doesn't really matter. All I need is on my label. It's, it's going to add, a, add another. Yes, no. Um, you you would definitely have a. Um, th there's nothing else uh, that would be a, an issue for you, but the, the, the self uh, the sulphur thing is an issue, is is potentially an issue. Uh, does that does that uh, do you think that's something that you would rather avoid? If you were given the absolute uh, thing, yes, you would rather avoid sulphur. Because the thing is, I can. Uh, sorry, <coughs> I, what we can do initially is for the dry cider. What I can mm. do is just we'll we'll we can literally just go through a barrel, and just siphon out. Wow. You know, a gallon of fermented cider, and yeah. that's got no sulphur in it at all. Now, um, uh, we've actually. The sweeter cider would be the issue, because uh, we, right. we we tend to have to use a bit of sulphur when we come to package it. Because so, of the extra sugar in it? Uh, is that yeah, the, and it's, it's, more, uh, it's more because it's, um, it's going to be packaged in a way um, um, no, the, 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 no, because it's packaged really. With the dry cider it's easy because it's just sat in the barrel. Mm. And that's what happens naturally. Mm. So mm. We, we can go to any barrel and I can pick you out quite a nice right. quite a nice freshly fermented dry yeah. cider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't mind putting contained sulfite sulfite sulfites. Sulfites, yeah. Sulfites. Um on the even it would just be would it affect what I'd have to label on the roll rights even if they weren't even though they weren't seeing cider. Mm. They're in the same facility. I don't know how the labelling, what I've got to do. Right. There, you know, it's labelled to say may contain peanuts. Handle it on. I'm going to factory that yeah, yeah, handles yeah. peanuts. I don't know if sulfites, if you've got to be quite, quite so sensitive with. I, you see, uh, yes, that's a point. It's, it's very, I'm only thinking it's a very moot point, isn't it? Yes. Because actually, the cider itself isn't actually in the cheese, is it? It's washed on the rind but I do if I was washing in beer mm -hmm. would you have to I'd say I'd have to say it contains gluten okay so you, so you'd have to say it contains sulfur instead yeah, well it's one if, of the 14 EU allergens mm, isn't it yeah they didn't learn yeah, yeah. You, 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 you would unless I mean the only thing is if, if it happened to be that um I, I think if I let, let let's 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 be let's let's get some clarity to this. The only cider that I could guarantee you would be sulfur sulfite free mm. would be a dry cider. Okay. So if it turned out that a dry cider did the job, then that would be the easy one to do because that that that's that's mm. easy to mm. supply you with it. But mm. as soon as we go to any form of sweetness, we're probably talking about packaged cider. Rather for stability reasons yeah. than anything else, in which case, uh, yeah, if we went to medium or sweet, then I would say that it's ninety nine percent certain it was okay. um, it's got sulphur in it. Um, I mean, I, I because yeah, a, a cider, a sweet cider without sulphur, it, it, it doesn't stay sweet. It keeps it will keep fermenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and a keeve cider, <coughs> well, I could go to the tank, the final tank of keeve cider that we've got today, and give it you now, but it would. It would be fermenting, yeah, you know, yeah, spoke, so, yeah. So you'd be washing in something that's changing, right? Changing, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you, so if you know, I suppose you, you, you can, you can. What the whole point of this is, isn't it? You can look at this, you can review it, and go. I tell you what, actually, I'd rather not put contains sulfites on my cheese yeah. labeling. Uh, let's use a dry cider. Yeah, you, you know, uh, yeah. and that may be yeah. true. Yeah, just but, for the practicality. Yeah, <laughs> but on on the other hand, if you if you could and you wanted to to just try this first time mm. round with a medium and a sweet, mm. just mm. to see that you're not like ignoring the thing with the taste potential. Yeah, uh, just for yeah. the sake of yeah. yourself. Like and I'll try and get in my mind some clarity on if we're handling cider with sulfites on the site on yeah. the, in, yeah. you know, in the dairy. It's not going near the roll right. Do I do I need to well, include it on the label for the roll right or not? I don't think I do. But you, but your legislation is so much more stringent for cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are the cowboys of the food and um, 
legislation, uh, not legislation, well, we are to a degree, but in terms of environmental health, you know, um, you just go, well, it's cider, you know. It's Quite low it's, pH, it's, it's got alcohol in it. Tannins, yeah, tannins. which are antimicrobial and yeah. antioxidative in their own ways anyway. Yeah. And um, well, as you'll see when you see where it's made, it's... Um, you certainly wouldn't be able to wave your roll right anywhere near the building. <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty, uh, but there we are. I think you'll find it quite refreshing actually today. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no white password. <laughs> right. Um, now, can I offer anyone else? The Salomon Podcast is produced by me, Sam Wilkin. If you want to know more about Salomon, go to Salomon Sam on Instagram and Twitter or check out the website salomon.co.uk.